morning we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5. Um, I'm so excited about this word. Um, man, it's already been a good morning, amen? Amen. Um, man. Isn't it awesome when you get in that moment, you're like, I don't really want to leave this moment. Um, but man, I know what God has for us this morning um, is not any less uh, than, than that. Let's just, uh, let's just pray again. Can we pray together? Father God, this morning we thank you. God, we just thank you for the ability, God, just to come into your house and just to hear your word. God, I just pray that as we open your word, God, this morning, it'll just fall across this place, God, that your grace and your mercy and your love will just fall across this place, God, that you won't hold back on us. God, that this morning, every, everything you got um, for us, God, will come. God, that I'll get out of the way. God, that anything I was going to say that I shouldn't say, God, just move it out of the way. God, anything that, um, God, that I hadn't even thought of yet that you want said, God, just say it. God, this morning, we trust in you. God, we trust in you. So, God, we just press in and we lean in and we just thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, Man, I'm so excited about um, this morning, so excited about this word. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 is probably, um, I say this a lot, but one of my favorite places um, in the scripture. Um, In the past few weeks, we've been kind of on this series um, called Don't Hold Back, and it kind of sprung out of Isaiah 54, uh, where the people of Israel are returning from captivity uh, to Babylon. Now that in itself is kind of a black mark on the people of Israel. Um, The people of Israel were God's chosen people on the planet. Isn't that amazing? Out of all the whole world, God picked out a people. He said, you'll be my people and I'll be your God. I'll be with you and you'll be with me. Um, And these people... um, for a while followed that, and they walked in that, and man, that was amazing days. But then they started adopting these other gods, these other uh, foreign idols, these gods made of rock and wood and gold, and started setting even some of these gods up in, in, in the temple of God. And when they did that, God let these people experience just what those false gods could do for them. And in that moment, um, those gods without hands and without feet and without ears, um, they couldn't save the people of Israel from what was coming. So the people of Israel were carried off into captivity and they lived there for a few years and then God pulled a remnant of those people out of captivity. And this is kind of that moment where they're walking back out of captivity and carrying the weight of their shame. And we've left God, we were abandoned walking back into broken cities, walking back into uh, a broken land, crumbling ruins of what it used to be. And into that moment in Isaiah 54, Isaiah prophesies this to the people of Israel. He says, stretch out your tents. You can imagine these broken people walking. What do you mean, stretch out your tents? You're ridiculous. (laughs) We're going to have to live in tents because our city's gone. Stretch out your ropes and drive your pegs deep and then he says this amazing thing he says don't hold back if you summarize that last part it's because he was Isaiah was telling these people from God God is about to do a thing that cannot be measured in what you have in your mind God is about to do a thing that's really bigger than any tent pegs you got Um, God's about to do something bigger and better than than all the rope and all the fabric you got so so don't hold back give every ounce and you just see what God will do 
And at the beginning of the year, as a church, we come around that very same promise, and we claim that. We say, this is the year, right? This is the year. We're either going to not hold back, or we're going to just continue to exist. I mean, I'm tired of just kind of existing, aren't you? Amen. And I want to see God do something in my day that's, that's bigger than I've ever seen before, right? Amen. I want to see God do something that's so miraculous, so amazing, so tangible that the world looks at that, and there's like, there is no way aside from God, that that happened. Amen. See, the truth is, we can have a building. We have a big building. And we can do all that stuff on our own. Amen? Yep. We can have a building full of people, and we can do all that stuff on our own, but I'm talking about something miraculous, something bigger than us, something that only God can do. And my, my heart wraps around that dream and embraces that dream because in that moment, Brad doesn't get glory. I mean, Brad can build a church, probably. I mean, Brad can't dive into the miraculous. And that's the, that's the God-sized thing that I want to see happen this year. And that's, that's where we're huddling around that don't hold back. But the truth of it is we can never do that with one or two people. To see a, a church that dives into the miraculous, man, we have to see a, a body that dives into that very same thing. So the last few weeks we've been talking about this don't hold back, not from the perspective of, hey, let's go buy some wood and kind of put a second wing on this thing, but... What does God want to do in your life? Amen. See, the truth is, I cannot believe the miraculous for me without believing the miraculous for you. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. We're all one body, right? In the past few weeks, we've been kind of diving into that. And the first week, it was what? Don't, it, was, it was to love your word. I challenge you just to, to, to read and to love the word of God, to, to, to pray, God, give me a love for this, right? And then that next Thursday night, we heard, love the plan of God. We, even if it's not maybe our plan, right? His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, even if it's maybe not the direction we even thought we were going to love the plan of God. And then last week it was to love the people of God. And this week I just want to challenge us to love our story of God. So this week we're going to be in 2 Corinthians um, 5. And we're going to start in... Verse 16, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians. If you're in 1 Corinthians, you're lost already, sorry. Um, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians was the second letter written by Paul to the church at Corinth. And just like most of the other letters written by Paul, it wasn't evangelical letters trying to get people to step into a relationship with God. He was writing letters to the church of God, showing the church of God how we should actually live out our faith or our story of God. And this morning, that's not really any different. Um, and in verse 16, Paul starts out showing us that when we become this new person in Christ, when we come to know Jesus, when he becomes part of our story and we become part of his story, when we tr- saved as a church word and we get saved, um, that the first thing or one of the things that should happen is we should get new eyes. We should see things differently. And in 16, he says, from now on, or after we come to know Jesus, after we're in a relationship with him after a church word, we are saved. Um, then we do not know anyone in a purely human way. In, the, in another translation, this is a, a worldly way. What it's saying here is after we come to know Jesus, we quit seeing people like we are used to seeing people. 
This maybe doesn't sound that important to you this morning, but can I just say that everything we're going to talk about this morning hinges on this reality. See, the truth of it is this morning is a lot of us, all of us, are used to just walking around seeing people the way we've always seen people, right? Ah, they look different than me, so I can't talk to them. Or, oh, they dress like me, so maybe we can be friends. Or we have the same interests, so maybe we can talk sometimes, right? Or maybe, maybe they smell a little different than me, so I'm going to keep my distance, right? Or maybe they made me mad that one time, so, so I don't have to like them. Or, you know, they, they said that thing about me, so I'm going to say that thing about them. You've been there, right? You've been there? No? Okay, just me. I'm a horrible person. Thank you. Uh, well, I have... Um, I've been that way. That's how we are used to interacting, right? You grow up in school and you got your friends and then there's everybody else and then there's the people that we kind of shun. Some of you guys might have been in that group. I was in that group. Um, we got the dorky kids and the cool kids and the jock kids and the band kids and we got all these different groups. Yeah, we got a lot of those. Um, and we just kind of hang out in our cliques and we distribute value to people based on how we interact with those people. If I like those people, man, they're valuable. If I don't like those people, maybe they're not. If I know those people, maybe they're valuable. If I don't know those people, maybe they're not. And what it says is when we come to know Jesus that we shed all that, right? We don't know anyone in a purely human way or, or like we're used to seeing them. We don't, we don't know people in a worldly way, in a, in a way that everybody else interacts it says that we have to shed that. See, what happens is when we come to know Jesus, we take on the vision of Jesus, right? Yeah. See, the truth is, Jesus doesn't have cliques, does he? No? Jesus doesn't have friend groups, does he? Like, oh, I like these people. Jesus doesn't have outsiders. He doesn't have people he shuns. Jesus doesn't have people that, oh, they look too different than me, so I can't talk to them. Or they, look, they smell so different from me, I can't talk to them. Jesus doesn't have the little clubs and the things like that. Jesus just has, right? Amen. And see, the truth is, in, in my word, in John 3.16, we'll just go with a verse everybody knows. It says, for God so loved, too, the world. Not for God so loved people that looked like him, or God so loved people that acted like him, or God so loved people he got along with or didn't talk about him, but God so loved the guy that nailed him to the cross, is what it's saying. Amen. For God so loved the guy that beat him before he crucified him, that's what it's saying. For God so loved the people that mocked him as he was walking up the street, is what it's saying. For God so loved the people that spat at him, that's what it's saying. For God so loved the sinners. For God so loved the world, everybody, inclusively. And he gave Jesus so that anybody that believes in him wouldn't, what, die, wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. See, on the cross, Jesus declared he loved everybody the same way. Everybody got a shot at Jesus. That everybody was valuable. Everybody was worth something. See, on the cross, God described value, or prescribed value to everyone because God emptied the storehouses, the treasuries of heaven when he poured out Jesus. And what that means is everyone is valuable. Amen. Know them or don't know them. Look like you or don't look like you. Enemy or friend. Everyone is valuable. That's what the eyes of Jesus say. And when he says here, man, we don't know anyone in a purely human way, that's a very loaded statement, right? 
After the cross, we take on the eyes of Jesus and we see that everybody that exists around us in, in, our, in our world is valuable because God says so. Amen. It even goes on, it says, even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, people have known, what it's saying here is that people even saw Jesus that way, Right? Jesus walking around the streets of Jerusalem and some people were like, man, he's the most awesome thing in the world. And some people were like, oh, he's a heretic. And some people were like, oh, he's the best teacher I've ever heard. And some people were like, oh, he's just a dirty carpenter. And some people was like, man, he does miracles. And some people was like, he's faking it. He's a sorcerer. That, that was how the, the tension went down in, in the old world, right? And it still happens the same way today. You, you didn't grow up just kind of pop out of the womb and be like, oh, Jesus is a savior. Hallelujah. That's not how that worked for you. Some of you guys maybe have not been there in a while and you don't remember just because you've been to church forever doesn't mean that you have this mentality that Jesus isn't just a good teacher, right? That's knowing Jesus in a purely human way. The Spirit didn't reveal that to you. The flesh revealed that to you. Oh, Jesus, he, he's the Son of God. Well, it's great. Now, I can intellectually make an argument for that, and maybe you can come around that, but that doesn't mean anything, really, right? Oh, Jesus died on the cross. Man, that's, that's great. I, his, history tells that. And that's seeing Jesus in a purely human way, saying Jesus is the Lord of my life. Now, that's something different. Jesus is in control. That's something different. Jesus is in the front seat, and I'm in the back seat. That's something different. Jesus is in the foreground, and I'm in the background. That's something different. That's a spiritual thing. Amen. And there's a possibility even for some of us today, the reason we don't see people in the way Jesus sees people is because we have yet to see Jesus in the way that Jesus sees people. But it says that when we come to know Jesus, man, that changes. Because it says, yet now we no longer know him like this. We don't know him like that anymore. In 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this word in Christ is a word meaning in relationship or in union with Christ, that we're married to Christ. If anyone is in Christ, they, there is or they are a new creation and when it says new creation here it doesn't just mean that like jesus puts a new coat of paint on you right don't you love that it doesn't say that you are a refurbished creation <laughs> jesus is not a house flipper is what it's saying jesus didn't just buy something rotten and kind of put some paint on it so he could turn a profit that's not what it's saying here see jesus is not interested in just purely covering up the old you Jesus didn't just slap a towel on you and throw you in church. That's not how that works. But it says here that we become a new creation with new eyes, right? With a new heart, right? With new ears, new hands, new feet. They were, they were completely new and not just a, an upgrade. But what it's saying here is a completely new kind of creation. It says that the old things are, have passed away. The old you with the old sin, with the old shame, with the old guilt, with the old habits, with the old attitudes, with the old mouth, with the old brain, all that stuff passed away when Jesus flipped you and made you a new creation, a new kind of creation. And it says that new things have come. And see, I started thinking about this, and this is the most amazing, it blew me up when I was thinking about this. Some of you guys are like, I don't get it yet. Well, that's great. Uh, well, hopefully, we'll, through the Spirit of God, we're going to get there. See, some of us view it as God just came and Jesus died to give us the ability to be a better person, right? A better old me. 
right? Jesus died on the cross so that I could come and not be as bad as I used to be, right? You're with me, I know, because you're quiet. Jesus died on the cross to give me the ability to be a better version of the old me. That's where some of us are stuck at in the gospel story. Jesus come and died on the cross so I could be more religious, right? So I could come to church more. So I could read the Bible more. So I could sing the songs more. So I could maybe pray more. Maybe feel like I'm getting somewhere with my prayer. Jesus come and died on the cross so I could dress better and act better and, and talk better. He come to reform me. He come to change my manners. He came to change my attitudes. He came to change my thoughts. And that's not true at all. Jesus didn't come to give you the ability to be a better version of the old you. He came to give you the ability to be a completely new you. I'm not, I'm not just trying to be a little bit improved, right? I'm not just trying to kind of shine up my life a little bit and scrub off some of the dirt. Jesus came to make me completely different. I don't have to be a better version of the old me because I'm already a new me. See, the truth is, in this is freedom. Some of you guys are still struggling with sin, still struggling with sin, still struggling with sin. I'm beating myself up. I'm in guilt all the time. I'm in shame all the time. And I'm in the struggle all the time. Here's the reality of it. Jesus come to give you freedom from that. Oh, I got to keep the rules. I got to do the things. No, you are free. You are free. You are free now to choose. You used to be a slave to sin. Now you're free to choose. You used to have to. Now you, now you can Oh, I used to be a slave to, uh, a slave to shame. I used to walk around and beat myself up all the time because I had to do that. And like when I messed up, when I struggled, I messed up. Now, now you can choose shame or you can choose to not be in shame. You can do that because you're a new kind of creation. You're, you're completely different. I used to walk around in guilt all the time and I was like, oh, I'm never worth anything. I can't do anything. I'm just, I'm useless in the kingdom. I'm useless to God. He can't do anything with me. Well, guess what? Now you're free. You can choose to live in guilt. You can. Or you can choose to live outside of guilt. Because Jesus came to make you free to do that. You're not a better version of the old you. So quit struggling with that. You're a completely new you. That's what it's talking about here. Hey, guess what, people? Here's the amazing thing about the cross. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus. Here's the amazing thing about salvation. God didn't just come to make you better. He came to make you different. He's going to make you free. Man, that's, that's a God thing. It's not a you thing. All the pressure's off. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you're in a relationship with Christ, there is or they are a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. 18, now everything is from God. You didn't believe me just a second ago when I said all that stuff, so this is for that. Here's how we know that Jesus didn't come to make us a better version of the old us because everything is from God and a better version of old you depends on you. Man, I gotta work, right? Man, I gotta fight, right? Man, I gotta be better. Man, I gotta clean up my language. Man, I gotta clean up my thought process. Man, I gotta clean up my actions. Man, I gotta try harder. Man, I gotta serve better. Man, I gotta read more. Man, I gotta pray more. I gotta sing more. I gotta change my taste in music. I hate that stuff, but I'm gonna listen to it anyway. That's not how it works when it's from God, right? 
Because see, the I is pulled out of the equation. It's not you plus Jesus equals salvation. That's not how that works. It's Jesus equals salvation. You don't have anything to do with it. And that's what it's saying right here. Everything is from God. Every part of, every moment of, every iota of, every ounce of salvation is not from you. It's from him. You know what I mean by that? It's not your prayer that saves you. Oh, I've got to come down here and I've got I to think of some words. I've got to get some good words. Can you lead me in the sinner's prayer? Because I know that thing seems to work like people do that. So, so just lead me in something where I can get to Jesus. It's not about the prayer. You're never going to pray a prayer that impresses Jesus enough to get you into heaven. That's not how that's going to work. It's the creator of the universe. You can't do anything compared to that. Oh man, I gotta be good or Jesus is, he's gonna be mad at me. He's gonna kick me out. He's gonna, he's gonna disown me. No, it doesn't come from you. It comes from him. He doesn't disown people if, that he owns because it didn't have anything to do with you in the first place. Salvation is from God. It's not through your good deeds. You can go deeper than that. It says everything is from God, right? Meaning, yes, salvation is very much from God, but everything else is from God too. This building from God, those lots from God, your wallet in your back pocket from God, everything in the contents from God, the car in the parking lot and the gas in the tank, that's from God. The house that you live in and the stuff that fills it, that's from God. Let's go deeper. The air that you're breathing right now is from God. You don't have anything in your body that can make you breathe if your body wants to quit. You don't have enough willpower to breathe on your own. That heartbeat in your chest from God. If he takes it away, there's not enough willpower or strength in you to keep it going. There's no machine at the hospital that can restart a heart that God stops. It says everything is from God. And what that means is everything you've ever experienced is a gift from God. Everything. That breath, a gift from God. That's the grace of God, not your willpower. The heart beating your chest, that's the grace of God, not your willpower. Everything is from God, from the bottom up. Your arrival on this planet to your voyage out, everything in between from God. This is everything is from God. It goes on and says, who reconciled us? I love that word. Reconciled is a word meaning brought back into friendship or agreement, but it's also kind of a loaded word. See, the truth of it is you cannot be reconciled to somebody you're already friends with, right? If you're already in agreement, why do you need to be brought back into agreement? See, the truth of the word of God is in the garden in Genesis 3, everybody was separated from God. You ever ask somebody, oh, do you know Jesus? Yeah, I was raised in church. Who cares? They didn't tell me anything. Do you know Jesus? Yeah, I'm I'm religious. Who cares? Didn't answer anything. See, the reality of it is some of us think because we were raised in church, we know Jesus and we're good, right? Oh, I'm a good person. Who cares? The Bible actually would disagree with you. There's none good, no, not one, which includes you. But that doesn't actually even answer the question, does it? See, the truth of it is, this word assumes that everyone that's ever breathed has been separated from God. It goes deeper than that. We're not just separated from God. We are in opposition to God. We are born enemies of God. You don't have to choose that. You're just born into that. It comes from the garden all the way down. See, the reality is, uh, is apart from Jesus, you can be a good person, but you're still at war with God. 
You can be a morally right person, but you're still at war with God. Why? Because he created everything and you will not submit. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to be good. I'm going to pray. I'm going to try to live right. I'm going to clean up my act. No, that's being a better version of the old you and better versions of the old you don't actually carry any weight in heaven. See, the truth is God created us and you use your very breath that he breathed into you to rebel against the authority of God. That's what sin is. I will not submit. I will not follow. I'll do it my way. I'll go forward in my direction. I'll walk my path. I will live my story. That's opposition to God. And you can do that in the church. You can do that from behind a Bible. You can do that from the stage. You can do that as a missionary. But he says everything is from God who reconciled us, who brought us out of opposition into friendship, who brought us out of enemy into ally. It says, now everything is from God who reconciled us to himself. He stretched out the hand. He made the first attempt. You didn't find God. God found you is what it's saying. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ, through Jesus on the cross. And then it says this, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what the Word of God says. That God himself picked you out. And he didn't just improve you, but he completely changed you. He flipped the card from opposition to friend, right? He flipped the card from enemy to ally. And then as soon as you change sides as soon as you switch jerseys it says he gave you it's like a gift word right this ministry of reconciliation in other words what God is saying here through Paul is you were reconciled I did that to reconcile you were saved to get in the process of allowing others to be saved. So many of us struggle, what does God want me to do, right? What does God want me to do? Where's my place in the church? Where's my place in the body? Where's my place in the, am I supposed to be this thing or this thing or this thing? Or We worry too much about titles, right? What's my ministry? Well, your ministry is the same as everybody else's ministry. There's one ministry. It's one and everybody has it. And at the moment you come to know Jesus, not 10 years down the road or after you go through seminary or once somebody points it out and says, man, I see a talent in you or an ability in you. But at the moment, Jesus says, okay, cool. Now you got a story. Now go be part of somebody else's story, right? Everything is from God. 
your wallet, your money, your house, your car, your gas in your car, your breath, your heartbeat. And that same God who was so generous in all those other areas generously grabbed your hand and brought you back into friendship. And in that moment, he said, you don't have to search forever for what I want you to do. I want you to just go reconcile people. Go grab other people's hands and bring them right here. Grab other people and bring them to the cross. That's, that's what it says. And then because Paul knows that we're not good at stuff, he explains that. Here's the ministry. That is ministry of reconciliation. In Christ... In, in the person of Jesus on the, on the cross as Jesus was crucified as he stretched out his arms and his legs and he was nailed to a piece of wood and he, he was bleeding for several hours as he suffocated on his own blood and he breathed his last and he said, Father, forgive them. In, in those moments, in Christ, God was, past tense, reconciling or bringing back into friendship or agreement the world to himself. Man, I, can we just hear that again? That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. What Paul is actually saying here is at the moment of the cross when Jesus died, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he breathed out his last breath. In that moment, God was, past tense, bringing the whole world reconciliation. One time, one, one crucifixion, one son, one person reconciled the whole world in one moment. You know what that means? The church people, right? The church people have all been reconciled, amen. That's good news, because that's us. What that also means is the non-church people were all reconciled in one moment. They were brought back into, or had the ability at least, to come back into this friendship with God. God flipped the card for everybody. What that, what that means is the Buddhist in one moment, like God said, you can be reconciled. What that means is the Hindus, all in one moment, you can be reconciled. The Muslims, all in one moment, you can be reconciled. The, the fake Christians, all in one moment, you can be reconciled. In, in one moment on the cross, not tomorrow, not six months from now, not six years from now, but in one moment, way back there in history, Jesus said, I forgive everybody. You, you find the most evil person you can think of like in your brain that's ever existed on this planet. And on the cross, Jesus decided if they'll come, he will forgive. Amen. Oh, not that guy. Yeah, that guy. God already did it. God didn't count that guy out. 2,000 years ago, God made a way for that guy. He says, this is the ministry. God already reconciled everybody. And he goes on, he says, actually, not counting their trespasses against them. Offenses is this word. God, God decided, yeah, I, I live my life in opposition to you. Yeah, I, I will not bow to you. I will not submit to you. He decided in that moment, you know what? I'll, I'll just forgive all those things. 
Whatever your side effect, whatever your symptom looks like, whatever, whatever that played out in your life, whatever that looked like, God decided on the cross he'd forgive you, not when you come down here and prayed. Well, that was a good prayer. I believe him. I was sincere. Man, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he came to accept me today. I was feeling lonely. This is the, on the cross. God actually already decided the, the script could be flipped for everybody. Oh, you used to be an enemy. That's awesome. You don't have to be. Oh, you, you, can, you, can, you can be an ally. You can be on my team. Oh, you, you used to be the opposition. That's awesome. You can come be a friend. Everybody. Because on the cross, it says that in Christ, God was past tense reconciling the world to himself and he already decided not to count their trespasses or their sins against them. And then it says this. He has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So this is the message. Forgiveness is a possibility, right? Because God already forgave you. You just have to take it. Your your sins can be obliterated because they already were on on the cross. You you just have to take it. You you don't have to go to hell. You, You don't have to be separated from God. You don't have to try to do it on your own. You don't have to struggle with being a new version of of the old you. You don't have to be an upgrade. You you don't have to put all the pressure on yourself and try to live worthy enough or good enough. That's every religion all over the whole planet. That's what they do. And none of those people apart from Jesus are ever going to make it into heaven. Just like apart from Jesus, you'll never make it into heaven. Oh, I was a preacher. Man, that's phenomenal. Oh, I was a singer. Man, that's phenomenal. I was a missionary. That's phenomenal. And those very same people, the Word of God says, some of those people walk up to Jesus and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Because man, missionary was in their plan. It wasn't in God's plan. God's plan was that they would be reconciled. And he says he's given us this message that God has entrusted us with this message. And see, the crazy thing is we walk around like it's the worst message in the world, right? Oh, man, I might have to tell somebody they're forgiven. That sounds horrible. Oh, man, I might have to tell somebody that their sins don't have any power over them anymore. That sounds horrible. I might have to tell somebody they don't have to live in shame and guilt anymore. That sounds horrible. I can't do that. And we can all puff up and be like, man, I don't act like that. But how many people have you told this week? This is, this is the message that God has entrusted us with, and it's a good message. The very definition of the gospel is the good news. The news is not, oh, my brother, you're going to hell. The news is, you're forgiven because of Jesus. You don't have to die because he did. You don't have to 
suffer the wrath of God because the Son of God took on the wrath of God for you. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to get good. You don't have to do anything. You just got to step into the freedom that is the cross. See, the cross is not saying, man, you better try a little bit harder. The cross is saying, Jesus already done all the work. And that's the message. See, on, on, on the cross, Jesus purchased enough forgiveness for every human being that would ever breathe the breath of life on this planet. We don't have to hoard it up for the church people. See, the reality is on the cross, God already decided that all the sins would be forgiven. Every sin. Oh, but you don't know what they did. No, but he does, and he's got a little box, and it's got forgiveness written on it, and you just got to carry that sucker up there. They won't listen to me. Well, maybe not. But that doesn't negate the responsibility. See, it says that God has committed this message to us, and this word committed means entrusted. May God trust you with it. But it's also a word that means that we're bound to this message. It's, it's a binding word. See, the reality of it is at the moment you come to know Jesus, the gospel was inseparably bound to your life. Right? Right? that you were tethered to, you were chained to the gospel. And now the story of Jesus is just the story of Nick. The gospel story is the story of what God did in Tony. And, 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 and we can talk about Jesus, but what that means is all that fear of I don't know enough all that fear of, I'm not a spiritual juggernaut, I don't know enough scripture, I can't Bible study anybody, all that, I don't even really understand it when I read all that fear of, well, I just got saved and I got to learn some stuff. All that can go out the window because at the moment we come to know Jesus, he bound us to the gospel story. You, you don't have to know any theology to know what God did in you. You don't have to know any theology to be hope and light and salt to the world. All you have to know is, man, I am forgiven. I used to be, I used to be dead. I know I've been breathing my whole life, but like I used to be dead spiritually. I was separated from God. I was an enemy to God. I lived in opposition to God. I would not bow to God. I would not submit to God. And I did my own thing and I did it in the church. Raised in church. But man, if I would have died, I would have went to hell. I know that. If I'd have died, I'd have spent eternity separated from God just over there somewhere and it might have been hot and it might have been cold. I don't really care. I wouldn't have been with him. And there was nothing I could do about it. And for 11 years, I tried to be a better version of the old me. Oh, you shouldn't say that. Oh, you shouldn't do that. But man, at 11 years old, I don't even know what happened. Some guy was preaching. I know who it was, but I don't know what he said. And for some reason, that day, that day, the story of Jesus became real to me. 
In that moment, I realized God did die for me. He did. He quit breathing for me. In that moment, I realized that all my sin was put on Jesus. That all the wrath that I deserved, all the anger from God that I deserved, it was placed on Jesus. And he literally died for me. So that I could live. And for the first time, like, Father, forgive him, man. That, was, that wasn't just something. That was personal. I had forgiveness. And I just want you to know, like, God did something in me. So I'm pretty sure there's hope for you. Man, that's not the Paul story of Paul. Paul has a story, and it's beautiful. And that's not the story of Peter, man. He walked on water, and that's beautiful. That's, that's not even uh, the story of James or John or Bartholomew. Man, that's the story of Brad. I'm in the gospel story. Amen. And man, some people's story, it may seem more impressive than mine. Some people may, I was this, and I was this, and I was this, and I was this, and I was this, but I don't know if you can get better than I was dead. So I don't have to tell your story. Your story is a great story, I'm sure. And I don't have to tell Peter's story or Paul's story, but God has given me a message. And on top of that letter, it says, Bradley Beeler. And inside of this is the contents of my gospel story, my inseparably bound story to the Son of God, to Jesus And I can walk around and pass this story out because I know it really well. I lived it. Amen. And that's powerful to me. See, the reality of it is I used to pray, God, I wish I had a better testimony. You heard that word? People get up and testify, man, I used to be addicted to and I was this and I was this and I was this. And then God showed me, brother, I got you a really good testimony. You were dead. You had no hope. You were headed towards hell. You, you were on your way out of this world as a religious dead person. You were going to waste your life. You were going to go to church. You were going to read the Bible. You were going to pray. You were going to hear somebody preach every week. But you were never going to have a story because you were dead. And you can't write your own story. Until when you were 11 years old, I come down and I grabbed you and I tied us together. And I turned your story into my story. And you can't get away from that. Here's the reality this morning. Man, God needs to teach us to love our story. Because our story is direct result and reflection of his story. Amen. Oh, I can't share my story. Why? I can only think of two reasons. One, you're not quite sure what your story is. And wouldn't that be a sad place to be in? Mm -hmm. 
I don't, I don't know what my story is. I, I, I've been to church. Man, that's a boring story. When did, when did your story intersect with the story of God? And if you can't think of it, man, then today you need to, you need to make that story happen. What are you worried about? Forgiveness purchased. It's done. Well, I don't know what to pray. You're not going to impress him anyway. Forgive me, we'll be fine. <laughs> oh, but you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. God already decided he would forgive you. Who am I to say that he can't? Amen. If you don't have a story today, you, you need to intersect paths with Jesus. Because a better version of the old you is not what Jesus came to give. Came to make you new. And it's beautiful. Or two, and until this moment, you didn't realize that your story was the story of Jesus. Inside of this envelope is just a bunch of stuff about him. And my name's attached to it. Well, Jesus died. Brad was forgiven. Jesus died so Brad could live. He said, Father, forgive them. And somehow that low down, dirty, rotten Brad Beeler found it. And it was enough. And he's thrilled with it. And your story's a good story. Fall in love with it. But I wasn't this. Who cares? You were dead. Now Jesus has tied himself inseparably to you. That's a good story. There's hope in that story. Let's pray.